right. So welcome to Burlington on the Spot, Dr. John Fox. Thank we, you. Uh, we're on site today in Hugo, Colorado at Lincoln Health. Wanted to start, thanks, first of all, thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Um, wanted to start out with a little background on your history and uh, how you ended up here and how you became a doctor. Well, I'm from Ohio and uh, decided that I really like the dry weather out here. <laughs> uh, came out here to do my residency uh, back in 1984. Wow. Uh, first practice was down in Penrose, Colorado. Turned out uh, I'm a much better doctor than I am businessman. And so I uh, moved up here in 1990, uh, about a month before the tornado hit Lyman. Uh, because I, I, like I said, I'm not a good businessman and I needed needed someone that could take care of that end of the practice. Gotcha. And then now you're the director of health and clinical services. Is that correct here? So I, I am, I don't know what my title is. I, I am the county health officer, I think, is how I'm listed officially. Uh, I'm on the medical staff here. Uh, I am the, so Dr. Olson is the chief of staff. I actually am in charge of the home health and hospice department. Okay, great. Yeah, and I mean, I, I would imagine things have changed quite a bit, obviously, for the last over the last six months. Um, have you ever seen anything like this in your entire lifetime? Well, you know, some people think I might have been around in 1918. Oh, for Spanish? For the Spanish <laughs> flu pandemic, but really I wasn't. So, uh, no, I have never seen anything like this in my lifetime. Gotcha. And then, so we were kind of talking before we started about masks. Um, it looks like your mask, you got, what, a custom mask there with some fish, possibly? Yeah. Yes, and then you, you brought something interesting up before we dive into our COVID questions. Uh, you mentioned that how hard the, this creates things for patients, for disabled. Would you talk a little bit about that? That might be something people don't, you know, get exposure to every day. Well, one of the things that it, it, it's made it difficult with my hearing impaired patients, because a lot of those people depend upon lip reading Oh, and, and even my older patients, uh, as we get older and get a little bit more hard of hearing, we, even though we don't realize it, we do start to read lips and we spend more time looking directly at, at that person's lips as they're talking. And when you can't see that, you right. lose a lot oftentimes. And when you're hearing impaired, you lose pretty much everything a lot a lot of the time. So they do make a plastic or a clear mask that they can see your lips move. And it's supposed to really enhance communication with hearing impaired patients. And I think it'll help with some of the, the elderly patients as well, who, whether they know it or not, do read lips some. Right. hundred. I, I hadn't even thought about that. So until that happens, how are they getting through that right now? I mean, how do you even... What do you do? Would they just make sure they keep a distance and just so, so my with my hearing impaired patients, um, they they usually have another family member with them. Gotcha. Who will sign? Okay. I, I wish I knew how, but I. No, I yeah no, but that makes sense. I mean, with the signing, but I just didn't even think about that because even on a day to day basis, when you're communicating, you see people smile. You can read their reaction. You can everything. So you know the, it makes a big difference. Yes. So, and you can usually tell what kind of mood a person's in without seeing the rest of their face, but uh, being able to understand lips and, and you know, the, the cool thing about the mask is no one can see me when I stick my tongue out at them, so <laughs> it, uh, it comes in handy sometimes. Or they can't see if you're smirking or uh, <laughs> frowning, so gotcha. Yeah, the rest of my face might give that away. Gotcha, your eyes. <laughs> well, cool. Well, so to jump into some of the questions that we did, uh, to preface this, we reached out to the community on Facebook and, and friends and family in Burlington, the Eastern Plains, said, hey, what kind of questions do you guys have? We have an expert sitting down here, Dr. John Fox. Hit us with what you got. So that's what some of these questions are. Sure. Um, one of the first one is hydroxychloroquine. Um, and the question around that is there's been so much information, right, without any kind of politicalization of it. I mean, is it – what are your thoughts? I mean, do you – does it work? I know information changes – daily, but what do you think about that as a treatment? So the honest answer is I don't know. Okay. Um, but one of the things I've tried to do from the start, because there's been a lot of information and misinformation 
yep. regarding this disease? And usually the honest answer is we don't know, but we're, no one ever trained us to say that in medicine. So we have to give you some sort of answer. With this particular drug, um, it probably is marginally effective, if at all. And there are some ongoing research trials that are still looking at it. There are some small trials. And again, with when it comes to research in medicine, small numbers are not good for determining how effective something is or isn't. And so there are a couple of small trials that said it wasn't effective. There are still some people that are convinced it is, so there are some ongoing trials with the drug. Personally, if I got COVID, I'd, I would not want it. There are better drugs out there. Um, there are some steroids. Remdesivir has some benefit. Um, there are a couple of vitamins, zinc and um, thiamine, that have been used. So there are things that, that we do know can be beneficial that I think are going to be working better than gotcha. uh, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, so interesting. So if you were sick, you would go that route. Some of the steroids, and I saw that yesterday, like a big study on the steroids that are, be, that are being showing effectiveness. Yes, yes. And again, you have to put it in perspective. It's not for someone who's not got any symptoms. It's not for someone who has really mild symptoms because it doesn't show any benefit and may actually have some detriment under those circumstances. But, but definitely for the person that's hospitalized, um, it decreases the amount of the, those people that need to be on ventilators in the ICU, and it shortens the time that they have to be on a ventilator if they do have to be on a ventilator. So um, under those circumstances, that's when we look at using that, those sorts of medications. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up. Sure. Yeah. Um, so question number two, masks, which we just kind of talked about is masks and mask wearing. Um, what are your thoughts on the effectiveness of that? And specifically, we were talking, this is a tough one, but it's talking about restaurants. You hear this all the time. If I walk into a restaurant, even when I was climbing in Salida, you go into a restaurant, wear the mask, then you sit down and take it off. And in some places, I think um, one of our producers, she was up in Chicago and they're making you wear it when the server's coming to the table. So I know it's different in every state, but what is your take on that as far as effectiveness? So from my standpoint, um, Masks are really the, the key way that we have to combat this virus right now. Hopefully we'll have some immunizations here in the not-too-distant future, but right now masks are our main um, weapon against this disease. We know, so one of the things about this mask that I have on, there are two layers of cloth and then between those two layers of cloth, there's a filter. Mm. So when it comes to masks, you know, one really thin layer of cloth is not going to protect you very well. Mm. You have on a surgical mask. That's a good mask. N95 masks are the best masks. Um, but the, the deal with masks is this. If we're both in this room and one of us has COVID and the other one doesn't, and we're wearing masks. And especially if we maintain that six foot distance, the chances of the one of us that's not sick catching that disease is right around 1%. If neither one of us is wearing a mask, it's 70%. Wow. And so there's no question that masks decrease the, uh, the incidence of transmission of the disease. The other interesting thing, you know, cause they told us from day one, you know, don't wear masks, right. save those for the medical personnel. Yeah. You know, they don't prevent, they don't help. They don't prevent the disease. Well, yeah. okay. Let's think about this. If they don't help prevent the disease and what are the medical people doing wearing them? Right. <laughs> No, that's a good point. They, they do help, and we didn't have enough masks to go around. That's not an issue now. Good, yeah. And, and if you don't want to wear a plain blue surgical mask, you know, get someone that can 
or if you can sew, make it yourself. Make something fancy. You know, I love to fish. That's why I got fish on my mask. Yeah. And I happen to know the person that made this, and, and it's kind of, it's not custom made, but it's made to my specifications. So the two layers of, of tightly woven cloth plus the filter, I'm as protected as you are. Or probably more. I mean, yeah. it sounds like if you have that filter, and I mean, and you should be. I mean, you're in the hospital, patients, I, you know, it makes sense. You know, I it, I may or may not be more, but but we're at right. least both very well protected from the, the disease process. We know if if I'm sick, well, even if I'm not sick, it doesn't matter. If I sneeze, I will produce one hundred thousand droplets that will travel at one hundred miles per hour, and they'll travel thirty feet. Wow. Um, so if I'm sick and I sneeze and I'm not wearing a mask, you guys ain't far enough away. Gotcha. Um, you're wearing your masks. That's good. But, uh, the fact of the matter is that if I'm sick and same thing and I sneeze, those part, those droplets are not going to travel any more than 10 inches away from my face. Okay. It's it's very much about protecting other people. You know, if you don't care about the other person, don't wear a mask. Right. But if you care about them, please wear a mask. The other bit of information that, that's interesting is if you are exposed and you are not wearing a mask, your chances of getting severe disease, symptomatic hospitalized disease, are in the range of about 60%. Mm-hmm. If you are wearing a mask and you get exposed and you do get sick, your chances of getting that degree of illness are less than 20%. And that's because of the viral load? That's because of the viral load, exactly. Okay. Yes. So, so, you know- so, so masks protect you. Now, to your specific question about restaurants, um, it, so they talk about exposure, you know, um, within six feet for more than 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But that's cumulative exposure. And so the, the concept in a restaurant is you, you can't eat with a mask on. Right. Um, <laughs> You'd be hard, yeah. I, I'm watching them eat candy, okay? <laughs> they have um, masks on. They're doing and, it. And they're, they're, they're moving the mask. Anyway, it, but you can't really eat with with masks on. And so for a restaurant to be open, um, we have to take some additional precautions. I was just on a trip to Wyoming, and I was in a small town, um, walked into a restaurant, and every table is filled, and nobody staff. um, Oh, okay. Diners, no, no one's wearing a mask. Now, it's interesting because this, this restaurant is selling masks with their logo on. And I'm like, well, why the heck wouldn't you wear it and advertise your restaurant at least? But no, not a single mask in the place. When I walked into that restaurant, we got our food to go. I walked into another restaurant in another town. We go in with our masks on, sit down. No one is at any of the other tables around us. All the wait staff, staff at the front desk, all the customers are wearing masks. We take the masks off to eat, put the masks back on when we go to the bathroom. We had the masks on when we were ordering with the waiter who had his mask on. Yeah. Where do you think I am more and less likely to pick up COVID from those two scenarios. Yeah. I mean, that makes um, sense. That's a pretty easy choice. Yeah. And what this restaurant had done is they had shortened their menu. It's a restaurant I've been to before. They'd shortened their menu. And what they were doing was turning over their tables a little more quickly than they usually did so they could get a couple extra sittings in to try to increase, you know, make up some of that lost volume. I care very much about businesses. Yeah, I, I can tell I, that. Yeah. I, I want businesses to be open 
and be functional and make money during this. And the way we do that is by wearing the masks. I totally really get what you're truly. saying. Yep. With restaurants, yeah, you got to take them off to eat. But there's a there's a proper way to do it, and there's a not-so-proper way to do it. I'll go back to that uh, second restaurant anytime and sit down and have a meal. Still go to the first one, but I get carryout. Yeah. Well, and I think we're lucky because this is the first time I've met you, and I didn't realize you were a businessman that you know ended up ultimately in the medical field. But that makes a difference, right? I mean, because the reason I'm saying that is what you just explained, those two scenarios, I understand the difference. And I also get that it's not a perfect solution, but we're trying to keep our businesses open and find a way to meet in, in the middle, it yep. sounds like. And, find and, and, a- there's, and there's a way to do that if people are willing to wear a mask. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for answering that question. Sure. Um, Number three we had was the CDC. Over the weekend, they had released new numbers. Um, and their guidance on that, which you probably saw, was saying that I believe it was 6% of the fatalities to this point were directly attributable to COVID only with no other um, issues or underlying illness. What is it? I mean, what do we make of that? So we're always, well, again, this is politics. It's right. getting involved. You know, we're always looking for ways to make things look better. Um, And the fact of the matter is that doesn't reassure me much at all because what that says is the majority of people that are dying from COVID are people that have underlying medical conditions. Okay. So the, the, the older, the sicker you are, the more diseases you have, the more likely you are to die when you get COVID. And the argument is, well, you know, they, they, they had underlying heart disease and they got COVID and they had a heart attack and died. So they didn't die from COVID. They died from a heart attack. No, they died from COVID because had they not gotten COVID, they would not have had that heart attack that killed them. I think I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, again, we're, we're, we're playing politics and we're playing politics both ways. Some people are trying yep. to make the numbers look worse. Some people are trying to make the numbers look better. Yeah. You know, gee, I had COVID and I got in a car wreck and died, so I died from COVID. No, you didn't die from COVID. You died from a car wreck. Um, but the fact of the matter is, and we've known this from early on in the disease process, that people with underlying medical conditions, heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, kidney disease, people that are overweight, people that have high blood pressure, their their degree of illness and their likelihood of dying from this disease is higher than, say, a young, healthy 20-year-old. And that's basically what the CDC was saying, was just supporting that fact. Um, yep. it, it's not that those people didn't die from COVID because if they hadn't had the COVID, they would not have died. Not then. You know, it, we're all going to die someday, and, and right. most of us are going to die of heart attacks, and a lot of us are going to die of cancer and strokes. Yep. But the we weren't going to die yet mm-hmm. until the COVID intervened. So, you know, did we die from our heart disease or did we die from COVID? I think we died from COVID. Personally, okay, um, because we're talking about right now, right this minute. And if you look at overall death rates, so the number of people that have died, it's it's higher than what it was before COVID. Okay, like year over year, and you're right. Okay, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I think you can understand where these questions come from because because, like you said. You have both sides trying to, to, with media and clicks and making their money and then pushing their narratives on both sides. That's why we're just trying to sit down and get some transparency and, and, and hear this stuff because it's confusing when you see something like that come out. Uh, and so a, that thank you for that and, answer. And, yeah, I mean, and a lot of it comes from politics, and, and it just it sickens me that we let politics get in the way of a medical issue. Um, but a lot of it also comes from, you know, if – if you were of the mind that you really didn't want to wear a mask from day one, 
then you're still clinging to that. Well, they told us it didn't help. And, and now you've got this additional information that says, well, it's not going to kill me. You know, with the fact that you're a, you know, 70 year old with heart disease and lung disease, um, you better wear a mask because it's a lot more likely to kill you. Especially if you're high risk in that category. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and so one of the other questions I'm flipping around on these, but I know there's a difference between cities too and rural, right? I mean, I, I mean, in some, just the way it is, the way people aren't packed, packed together, they're out in the sunlight, maybe even more in a rural area. And one thing, when I talk to people around town, they, some of them have a family that are medical doctors. Like spe- one specific person has um, somebody who's in the ICU in Denver. And when they talk to them, their concern is so much greater. And it sounds like you're concerned. So that's the message too. Then if we're out in Burlington or Cheyenne Wells or whatever, and you don't feel that level of concern, um, but then she's in the ICU and her concern is very heightened that it's not nothing to mess around with. So, can you speak to that? I mean, obviously yeah. you're speaking to that, but. There's no question that we are better at social distancing in rural areas. Um, you know, a farmer or a rancher that's out in their field, they're not going to get this from their cows. They're not going to get this from their dog. Um, and it, they may go weeks before they see another human being. So we do some of that naturally. That said, um, you can look at the numbers county to county, so even rural counties next to each other, um, and and you know Kit Carson County and, and Lincoln County. Right. Um, Lincoln County has had eight cases to date. Uh, the last I looked, I didn't look today. I'm sorry, but the last no, I looked, Kit Carson County had had 78 cases. And, and when you look at that, I think a lot of it is related to some of the group gatherings that have happened. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's where that social distancing comes into play. Um, and especially if people choose to do group gatherings and not wear masks. So, you know, we know we both have a lot of traffic going through on I-70. Mm-hmm. And we a lot of our businesses service those customers. So we know that people are being exposed on a pretty regular basis um, along that, you know, the people that work in the service industry, we know they're being exposed on a regular basis. So the fact that we can keep our numbers as low as we have um, is part luck, but part a testament to people paying attention to those guidelines and following those guidelines. And the closer they follow them, the, the fewer cases that are going to end up. Okay. Um, no, that all makes and, sense. And, and it is, it's, it's no less serious a disease out here than it is in the city. Um, in some ways, it's a little scarier out here because we tend to have a, an older, sicker population. Uh, you know, we, we got plenty of young, young people too, but, uh, um, if you look at the average age and the average medical overall medical health of residents on the Eastern Plains compared to the city, um, we're older and and sicker and, and hence at higher risk if we get the disease. So, um, I really, and I, I know there's a lot of people going to get young people going to get the disease and not even know it necessarily, right? Um, or recover very quickly. But we know, for instance, that 85% of people that that have symptoms from the disease are going to have some inflammation of their heart. Most of those are going to clear up and heal very quickly, no problems. But the thing I worry about is I worry about some of the. Uh, um, athletes that don't know and they can have fatal arrhythmias it's rare but it can happen like even younger population yes even the younger population it's a condition called myocarditis it's an it's basically Mm -hmm. an inflammation of the heart muscle and it makes the heart more prone to have abnormal heart rhythms including 
potentially fatal heart rhythms. Um, again, most people, especially someone like me who sits around and doesn't do much, I may never know that I have that. Um, but you get uh, an otherwise healthy younger patient uh, that is technically recovered from their disease. So they've, you know, the three days without a fever. It's been 10 days since they started with the illness um, that are released to go back. And they don't have any symptoms until they have that fatal arrhythmia and die. Uh, it's, Ooh. again, it's rare, but it can happen. And so it's not a disease that, that I take lightly for reasons like that. Right. Well, and plus we obviously can't tell what, what the future brings. Like, you know, how long conditions would be there if they, they start up again. Some people, I think, the first person tested for the second time positive. I read that somewhere. So maybe there is an immunity once you have it. I mean, so with immunity, we 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 don't know. Okay, I'll start. No, by and saying I appreciate that, that candor. I'll start yeah. by saying that. But what we think is that you do get some degree of immunity, um, may not last forever, but even some people that have tested negative for antibodies have been shown to have some resistance to the to a secondary infection or a second infection with the same bug, sorry. Um, secondary infection implies right. something else. Uh, some people do get a second infection. We think that that second infection, if they do get it, is going to be a lot milder, less severe, not unlike the first time most people get a disease even something like strep throat. Mm -hmm. The first time a person gets strep throat, they're usually sicker than other times down the road because they do have a little bit of built-in immunity, even though they may get it again and we need to treat it again. Uh, they may not get as sick as they do the first time they get that disease. Gotcha. Um, you know, a lot of the viral illnesses are that way. Uh, some of the ones that you get over and over again. Um, influenza uh, is certainly that way. Uh, you know, we, we, we think that flu shots prevent influenza, but what they really do is they turn it into a much less severe disease. They turn it into more of a cold-like disease. Uh, so we're not as sick. We don't have, you know, the potential for bad outcomes like we do if we're not protected. And that's because you've been introduced to a small that's viral load of it that you already defeated? That's because your immune system has seen it before, knows what to expect, knows what to do. And we think that that's going to be the case with, with coronavirus as well, um, and specifically this strain of the coronavirus, the COVID-19. Mm -hmm. That's also, you know, when we talk about immunizations, immunizations are... Uh, uh, there are six companies now that have immunizations in stage three. Mm -hmm. Stage one is where we make sure it doesn't kill people. Stage two is where we make sure it works. But those are real small groups, like we talked about small sample sizes before. Right. So stage three is a much broader uh, test of many more people. Uh, for instance, China decided to do stage three testing on one of their vaccines by just giving it to all their military. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I read that, yeah. And you uh, said something about that in one of your pod or your live streams about Russia too, right? Like they're kind so, of so Russia has decided they've got one that's been through stage two, cleared stage one and stage two, and they're basically releasing that vac vaccination, that immunization to their entire population. Um, and, you know, we can debate whether Russia is going to make that voluntary or mandatory, um, right. But uh, the fact of the matter is that, you know, they're going to, and, and they're either being really, really smart because everyone's going to be protected and no one's going to have problems, or they're really, really dumb because we're going to see some side effects we didn't anticipate mm. with phase one and phase two testing. And um, all of a sudden, you know, either they're not as protected as we hoped or or they have a lot of side effects. It's not unlike the swine flu vaccine in 1976, um, which turned out not to be a huge swine flu epidemic like we thought. 
and a handful of people died from a few people died a few more people had side effects Guillain-Barre syndrome in particular which is a paralysis that that usually will resolve over time but it takes a while Um, and more than we've seen with any other influenza vaccine Um, so that's a vaccine that was rushed into uh, production much more quickly than usual. Um, Speaking of that, really quick, so what's yep. the normal uh, timeline? Like, let's pretend that we, we had this in a lab and we were studying it and it wasn't widespread and we were going to come up with a vaccine. How long would it take to feel good about that and go through all the trials? Does it vary? Pro- or? Probably three to five years. Okay. Um, now, we do a different influenza vaccine every year. Okay but it's the same process. And that's what's really important about, about the, um, the disease is, is, is how you process the, the vaccine so that you're not, the, the vaccine is not going to harm anyone. Mm-hmm. And influenza, it's a different strain of the flu every year. We, do best guess based on what we strains we had last year. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we're pretty spot on. Sometimes we're way off. And so I don't remember when it was 2011, maybe that we got an extra swine flu vaccine. Okay. Um, and, and, but the, the fact of the matter is that over time, the more, and this is applies to influenza, the more influenza vaccines you get, the more strains of that virus you've been exposed to now. Mm-hmm. And every year that acts, that vaccine acts as a little booster for all those other strains that you've had, which gives you better protection if there is some sort of rogue vaccine or some sort of, of different, or sorry, some sort of rogue virus, some virus. sort of different strain of influenza that year. Um, the, the, coronavirus, this particular strain, it turns out not to be as um, severe. It's, it's bad, don't get me wrong, right. but it's not as severe as um, SARS and MERS yep. that you may have heard about in sure. the past. Uh, their death rates were much higher. Uh, but this particular strain doesn't seem to have you know, so being exposed to other strains of coronavirus doesn't seem to have any protection against this particular strain. Mm. And the fact is, we've seen coronavirus in this country every year right. for ages. It usually causes a cold. It's okay. one of the cold viruses that we see. There are others, adenovirus, enterovirus, some of those. But coronavirus is one of the ones that's always in the mix. It just doesn't usually cause... The, the degree, the severity of illness that we're seeing with this particular strain. And this particular strain is not as bad as SARS or MERS were. Um, it's bad, but not that bad. The thing that makes it unique, it's a lot more contagious than those two. Mm. A lot more contagious. And that's why those two had very limited numbers of cases that actually occurred worldwide but the death rate was much higher from those and we mostly think it's airborne right i mean because i mean at the beginning we were thinking touch <laughs> you know we were using the hand sanitizer and so now we, we feel like it is airborne so primarily it's airborne primarily droplets but can also be spread by aerosol which so droplets have a limited length that they'll travel aerosols are lighter smaller particles that will travel much further but again part of the severity of how sick you get depends on how what what kind of viral load you get so droplets are are much more concentrated in that regard but we also know that this bug can be spread sexually we know that it can be spread um so you're standing at a urinal next to some other guy and he flushes can be spread that way. Mm. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it, it can be spread. One of the ways they're measuring how many people in a community have had it 
is by looking at sewage from those communities. I read that, yeah. So it can be spread fecally. We don't like to talk about right. diseases that get spread that way, but um, because it's gross to think about what really happens. Right. But, but it can be spread any number of different ways. Um, touch, yes. Uh, it's interesting. Hard surfaces are probably actually more contagious than say a porous surface like a chair, a, a cloth chair. Um, Pla- we, a plastic, right? I read that. So, so we traded out our cloth chairs for plastic chairs, and turns out that was probably not the best thing to do. And, and we think it's because the cloth absorbs some of the moisture, ah. and and the the particles die or the virus dies quicker when it when it dries out. So, um, you know, things like cardboard. You know, you talk about the U.S. mail. By the time you get your mail, any virus that was on that mail's dead. Um, Unless Amazon's using drones to drop them directly <laughs> down to my house, uh, then, then we might have to worry in a year. Or <laughs> maybe, but again, the viral load's not going to be as great. No, I and I'm and, kidding. And it's, and it's, yeah. no, I know, but 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 it's true. I mean, they're close. So. But especially if you're washing your hands, good. Um, the, the main source is is by droplet transmission and quite frankly the you know when we talk about droplets it can get into any mucous membrane so eyes nose mouth but it turns out that this bug is primarily spread by inhaling it through the nose and Mm. so for those people that slide their masks down so they can breathe through their nose better um not a great idea yeah not a great idea and, and just, if I may, the, everyone talks about, well, you can't get oxygen through a mask and you can't get rid of carbon dioxide through a mask. Remember, this bug can still get through these masks, mm-hmm. not very well, but those particles, the oxygen molecule, the carbon dioxide molecule, are about 1 300th and 1 400th the size of the coronavirus. So the point is they are so much smaller. They get in and out through this material very, very easily. And no one's going to suffocate wearing a mask. No one's going to breathe in too much carbon dioxide wearing a mask. They are very safe that way. Surgeons have been wearing them for hours on end doing, you know, 12, 16, 18-hour surgeries. Yeah, and and when I go up to to Denver especially, they're really strict on that up in Denver, and and you start to get used to it, you know, if you're not. So I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, back As far as vaccinations and kind of back to that, and, I mean, we started talking about that. If the timeline is a little bit greater, if we had a perfect world, I saw that the CDC, I was yesterday or maybe the day before, had released guidance to the governors in a letter letting them know that it now, again, who knows if it's really going to be here November 1st or, or whatever. So notwithstanding any kind of political side of this, <laughs> that seems fast. I mean, very, very fast. And, and I'm a little, you know, I think people are worried. And the last stat I said, maybe said 30% of people would take it. So where, where, what do you think? I mean, is, is it realistic to think we could have one that fast and then it still be safe? So it, it is realistic to think we could have one that fast that would be safe. Yes. And effective. Um, it's just that that longer term testing, it, you know, not unlike the talk about what Russia has done mm-hmm. and, and what China's done with their military, that longer term testing will be done um, basically amongst the U.S. population. The uh, there aren't going to be enough doses for everyone to have one, so it's okay that not everybody wants one okay. right now. I kind of like that because it, it's, it beats um, fighting over them. Um, yeah, the, the, I think toilet paper is going to be more scarce than, uh, than the vaccine when it comes out. Who would have thought that was the thing that was <laughs> going to go off the shelves? I mean, uh, Not me. Yeah, but, me either. Uh, but it, 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 people are funny that way. Right. Um, I do think that what we'll probably see is a recommendation that we uh, vaccinate the older um, people that are institutionalized. So nursing homes, 
assisted living centers. The highest risk? The, the, the highest risk. I, I think that'll be the first set. Um, the second group will probably be healthcare providers. Um, and then the third group will be older people with uh, comorbid medical conditions mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier. And then um, I think we get to the younger, healthier population uh, in general. And, and remember, if you go back not that long ago with influenza vaccine, we just recommended the really old, the really young, and the really sick get it. Mm-hmm. And then someone said, well, where do those people get their influenza from? And the answer is they get it from young people that don't get as sick when they get influenza that are spreading it to them. And so the last several years, the recommendation has been that everybody get influenza vaccine because the more people that are protected and immune from the disease, the less people there are to spread it to other people. And so I do think there will be a push for everyone to get this vaccine at some point you know, when we have enough to go around to everyone. And that's 331.6 million doses, I think, except it's a it's going to be a two-dose vaccine, and so that would be twice that, whatever that number is. Um, but it's going to be a two-dose vaccine. I think they're doing them a month apart, two to four weeks apart, something like that. Um, and so I, you know, will I be the first person in line to get the vaccine? No, but I'm going to be pretty close to the front of the line. That was going to be my question, so you, you I, preempted I, me and asked. I, and I, I'm, I'm going to be toward the front of the line because uh, I, you know, I fall into some of those risk categories. Yeah. I'm over 60. Um, I'm overweight. Uh, I got a little bit of asthma. You know, those You things. start weighing those risks and that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, um, I, I will... I will get the vaccine because, again, the, the, by the time the vaccine gets to us, it will have been tested. Um, and the only thing we won't have is the, the length of time that we normally do those. We'll still have the numbers. We'll still have all of that. We just won't have the years behind us that we do with some vaccines. So um, I, I would I would say that it's going to be relatively safe to do. Um, again, the, the honest answer is always we don't know, but right. I can tell you that about any new vaccine that sure. comes out. You know, when the pneumonia vaccine came out 40 years ago, we didn't know. Um 40 years later, we got a lot of data about how safe and effective it is. But when it came out, all we had were the three to five years of research that and development that had gone into it prior to that. So that that's being compressed, um, but I still think it's going to be a reasonable thing in terms of safety, and I hope it turns out to be effective. That That's probably, it's probably going to be safer it's the effectiveness that we're not sure about and, and won't be until we get people out there and about that have had the vaccine. Improve that. It, yep. Okay. Yep. Um, do you have time for just a couple more? Sure. Um, what about school and kids? And, and, and this one, this is a tough question, right? Because um, a lot of kids that go to school get, get their love at school. You know, I mean, those teachers are, are awesome and that's, Maybe they don't have families with pe- people that are loving them, that are teaching them. I mean, rural areas anywhere, right? It's inner cities. So that's a tough one. Did we go back to school too soon? Or, I mean, I, I mean, do you feel like if we're – I mean, that's – and, again, that might be too tough, but what, what's your take on that as far as kids and schools and even maybe college and sports? So I'm a big sports buff, and, and I, I'm missing my sports – but I think we've seen at the professional level that there are ways to play sports relatively safely. Um, the, the problem is that professional athletes may be just a tad more responsible than college athletes, mm-hmm. maybe a lot more. Mm-hmm. 
But you still hear about some of them going to parties and getting sent to their room, quote unquote, uh, to be quarantined for a while. So I, I, I do think there are ways to do it better. Um, there's no way that's 100% safe. And I'll say the same thing about going back to school. I do think, and I, I wasn't sure about this uh, early on, especially when they closed the schools in the spring, um, but I, I've decided that that social interaction that we get at school is really, really important to our growth and development and to our, our emotional maturation. And I, I think that those things are really important. And I think we can do school safely. And you see schools that are doing it safely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I know I'm from Lyman, and so I'm going to, I'm a badger and all of that stuff. Uh, sorry, Cougars. Sorry, I like Cougars. I like you guys <laughs> unless we're playing you, okay? Um, but Lyman has really done a good job, and they've struck that balance. And the, the cool thing is that it, with kids especially, not necessarily with an old fart like myself, but with kids, they are so much better at, at the – the um, electronic media and being able to do things mm-hmm. online. So if you need to pull them out for a quarantine, for instance, they can do that. But then they can be back in that classroom. And I do think that that you know we're, we're probably, at least until this is well behind us, we're probably going to be looking at some combination of in-person and, and remote learning um, but I think kids are a lot better suited to that, like I said, than, than someone like myself. You know, I, I was so much, you know, even for my ongoing medical education, I do so much better sitting in front of someone, talking to them, interacting with them. And, you know, you put them on a television screen and I become a zombie all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's like, oh, am I learning any of this? But kids are a lot better that way. So I do think that, that, that that experience of being back in the classroom and, and having those teachers and getting love from, from not just the teachers, but from, from their, their fellow students. Yeah. Um, or bullied, which, you know, we can talk yeah, about no, that I sometime get what you're saying. too. But, or even but, sports, but, but, like kids but, playing sports. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 Lyman's <laughs> got a great golf team this year. I'd much rather be playing football. Hmm. Um, we'll see how that all works out. Um, again, I think there are ways to do, regardless of how high risk a sport is, I think there are ways to do it uh, safer. You know, not that anything is going to be 100%, but I think there are ways to do it safer, and I think we should continue to look at those ways and do those things and explore those things. I, one of the things that, that I'm really excited about um, uh, oh, I think it's Abbott has mm-hmm. a a rapid test. It's a lot like the influenza test, and it takes about fifteen minutes. Um, and when I say influenza, also a lot like the the strep test we do in the office. It takes about fifteen minutes. It's supposed to cost five bucks, which probably means it'll cost fifty. But um, and. It is a test that is for, so we talk about antigen and antibodies. You know, antigen is the actual virus itself. Mm-hmm. This is an antigen test. This tests for the actual virus. And it, um, it's about 97% sensitive and 98.5% um, specific, which sensitivity just means if you're positive, you really do have it, and specificity means if you're negative, you really don't have it. Gotcha. So it's it's a really good test, high quality test in terms of accuracy, and I mean you could make an argument that if we tested, we don't have enough of the tests right now, but if we had these tests and we tested every kid before a game, 
they're not going to infect anyone. Is that like a, a blood swab or what? Kind it, it's of a it's a nasal swab. Nasal, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a nasal swab. Gotcha. So you know, it, so that's not realistic right now. Might be in the spring when they are going to play some of these sports. I know, yeah. So, um, but yeah, keep your eyes and ears open for stuff like that. Um, the flu, we're hitting flu season right now and colds, yes. and it's confusing again because you might. Everyone, if you start having symptoms, you're like, man, you know, is this COVID or whatever? So that would be good if the Abbott test was along, coming along quicker. Um, are you worried about flu being any worse or making COVID worse? Or is it just it's, there's not a lot we can do? I mean, because we're already wearing masks, so maybe that'll prevent some of the flu spread. Or it, it's, it's been interesting. So if you get sick, you have COVID. There, there are no other diseases out there right They're gone. now. <laughs> that, that's, that's a lie. You know, right. I'm laughing. I know you can't see it because I'm wearing a mask. Oh, we but, can see. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to get more confusing really quickly. Mm. One of the things I'm doing is I am encouraging my patients to get their flu shots, and I'm encouraging them to get them sooner than they might otherwise. Um, so if you got a flu shot available to you, go get it. Uh, that said, influenza isn't going to be any worse, but I'm pretty sure if you get influenza and COVID, that's not going to be a good thing. Right. Uh, I, we don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's not so going to be. So you could a actively get both of those at the same time. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. They're spread the same way, so yeah, you you could get them both at the same time. Um. So I, but but you're right. I do think that what we're doing right now in terms of wearing masks, washing hands, social distancing, some of the precautions we're taking now to prevent coronavirus will decrease the number of cases we see of influenza, strep, even the common cold. I think we're going to see less of a lot of those things than we have in other years. We're still going to see them. And, you know, again, you don't want you don't want COVID with anything else. Right. You, you, you just don't, don't want, want COVID, yeah, period. With, with an, a side of something. But, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. So, okay. But, um, as far as you guys have done a really good job up here, I think it's weekly or bi-weekly. You guys are doing a live stream where you guys are sitting down in, in this actual room and you guys are talking about what's going on. What prompted that? I mean, how did you guys decide to do that? And we're going to make sure we put a link to that when we post this video so everyone can see that. Um, yeah, what prompted that, and are you going to keep doing that? Um, you know, that that probably is because we have uh, a public relations officer here who thinks we should be sharing with our community. Megan? Megan. Megan Mosher? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, the boss supported it. Uh, you don't do anything without support from the boss. Um, and there were others of us, Joe Beth, our county health nurse, myself, um, Dr. Brianna Fox, who, by the way, we're not related just for the record. Uh, but, but I, I'd claim her, it's not a problem. Right, right. Well, uh, and everyone says Dr. John Fox and you start thinking Broncos, right? So, uh, yeah, no, um, I'm from Ohio. Did I mention that? Earlier? Oh, are you? Anyway, okay. yeah. yeah, you guys broke our hearts. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland Browns yeah. fan, yes. Um, but no, the the uh, so there's been buy-in really from the top down, and and that's what has allowed us to do it. And, and we debated whether we should continue it, but there's still been a fair amount of interest, and and there there's new stuff all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. that's this folder that I have with me. It's a middle folder. It's a couple inches thick. It, it's there's new stuff all the time, and that goes into this folder. I've got a one of them digital file thingies on my computer that's got a bunch of stuff right. in it. Um, but I do much better with paper, obviously. So, uh, you know, I keep track of the statistics both worldwide, both uh, uh, it, within the United States, within Colorado, within our, our local counties. Um, you know, one of the – just to, to kind of give people an idea how – how infectious this disease is. India, mm-hmm. it took them six months to get their first million cases. Took them 30 days to get their second million cases. And it's taken them 16 days to get their third million cases. Is that where they're at right now? That's is where they're at, at right million? now, 3 million, yep. 
Yep. They how many, are, do you know how many cases are we at? The United States. I've got the stats right here. U.S. is 6.1 million cases, um, 186,000 deaths. Uh, Colorado. Colorado's done a pretty darn good job. Uh, we're right at 58,000 cases with 1,952 deaths. And that's still up if you were to look at deaths year over year? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, and as far as what, any messaging or anything we haven't covered that you think would be important to get out to the folks of, of Eastern Colorado, whoever watches this, Colorado, wh- wherever. No, I, again, I, the, the thing that I think makes more difference than anything else we're doing is wearing masks. And it doesn't just protect you, it protects other people. And so if you care about anybody else, wear a mask. If you don't, don't bother. I mean, that, that's, it's okay. Some people just don't care about other people. But if you care about other people, wear a mask to protect them. If you care about yourself, wear a mask to protect you. They work. They make a difference. And I think that until we have a vaccine that's, that's working, it, masks are our number one tool at, at, at preventing and decreasing the spread of this disease. It's not, and, and it's not and very expensive. I mean, so I get what you're saying. I mean, well, and you can, you know, you can make a cool fashion statement if you want. I love to fish. I got fish on my mask. I got other masks that have flags, eagles. I got one that's got a fox on it, um, and then I got a boring maroon one and a boring gray one. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, you, you can you can get as cool as you want with these things. My daughter, who's uh, I'll put a plug in for her. She, sure. She's a veterinarian, um, and, and she's got one that's a, a, a tiger. <laughs> it looks like a tiger face, and she's got another one that she she's a big fan of, of Dobermans, so she's got one that's a Doberman. So you can have fun with it, too. I mean, it doesn't just have to be about the drudgery of wearing a mask. Believe me, I will be the first person to ditch this when it is safe. Right. Because it's it's – not a lot of fun, and I like facial expressions. I convey a lot of my thoughts through facial expressions. Yeah, me too. And it's, I'm not as good at it with a mask on. But uh, um, until that time is here, I'm going to wear a mask to protect you and to protect me. Do you, do you think the first, you alluded to the first couple of months when we were told not to. Do you think that that was either incompetence or was it calculated because we, we were worried about um, responders and maybe it just wasn't handled. The messaging wasn't handled correctly to say, you know what, guys, we don't have enough, um, and we don't want panic, but we want to make sure the ones that we do have are going to our front lines. Um, and the, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it was. I, I mean, I think it was calculated. Okay, I think it was calculated so that we would have enough masks in the medical profession to protect ourselves. Um, masks were, I mean, there were plenty of masks, but there weren't enough for a pandemic. Right. And um, if, again, if you listen to what people, the people that were saying don't bother with masks, don't wear a mask, it's not going to protect you, and we're saving them for the healthcare providers. You know, think about that. You know, you, you mm-hmm. use your brain and think right. for just a minute. Yep. If they work for healthcare providers, why wouldn't they work for me? Mm. But if we say that, if if we had said at that moment that masks help, if we said what we know now for a fact, um, masks help, but. Don't go buy masks right now because we want to save them. Or just buy just, one mask. Just like toilet paper. It, it would. That's exactly what would have happened. And that's human nature. I get that. I, I don't have any issues with that. Um, but it was the wrong message. It, it was the absolute wrong message to send. Um, and And the fact is it didn't take us too long. It seemed like a long time. Because everything seems like a long time right now, but it it didn't take too long until the numbers were up, and then we started saying, "Oh, now we have enough masks. You should all be wearing masks." Mm-hmm. You know, but by that time the damage is done, and and then it becomes a political tug of war, and 
Well, you think we're only six months. I mean, I know it seems like a long time, but it's six months. You know, it, I mean, it, it hasn't been six years. No, it hasn't been six years. <laughs> oh, so, okay. <laughs> but well, I'll, you know, I really appreciate it. I, I mean, your transparency, your willingness to sit down with us, it means a lot. And to the, everyone out on the Eastern Plains, whoever gets to see this, you, you know, you didn't have to do this. So thank you for doing it. And hopefully, we learned a lot about it. And thank you for continuing to have these messages weekly. Because we're going to make sure we get it out and amplify it. And I know that it, it makes a difference. It's, it's my pleasure. And I, I really appreciate you for asking me on. Um, you know, I, I don't know everything. Right. Um, nobody does. But I try, to st- I try to learn as much as I can about it. I try to stay up to date. And that's the great thing about medicine. What is the, the best and greatest today? You know, why the heck did we ever do that tomorrow? And that's just part of the deal, and I, it doesn't bother me to, to tell you that. But it's my job to be honest and say, hey, what we told you, it ain't true. This is what's true now. And, oh, by the way, that might not be true next year. We may change it again. Yeah, you're not perfect. Um, I mean, you're figuring it out. So uh, that's my job is to know and to share that information, and I'm more than happy to, to share that information with whoever is interested in it. Okay. So thank you for having me. Definitely. Thank you, Dr. Fox. No problem. Okay.